Hi, everyone. This is Javier, your host here at the Restore Podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts about the Restore Podcast topics, guests, your favorite episodes, or whatever you may want to let us know. And I am so happy to announce that now you can do that simply by texting us by going to the show notes. There, you will see a link that simply says, send us a text message. Click on it. Don't remove the number there that you will see and simply send us a text. Simple as that. So don't wait. Go to any episode show notes and text us now. Let us know your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you. God bless. Welcome to Restore, a podcast seeking to restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church. And now your host, Javier Diaz. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Restore Podcast, episode 39. My name is Javier, and I'm your host. Wherever and however you may be listening, we thank you for taking the time to listen and pray that this podcast will continue to be a blessing to you. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Speaker Director of It Is Written, Pastor John Bradshaw. In this in-depth interview, I really appreciated John's openness and transparency as he talks about his personal faith journey Uh, the Adventist Church as a whole, and of course, the ministry of It Is Written, the first Christian television program to broadcast in color, which has been endeavoring to touch the hearts of people all over the world for Jesus for over 60 years. You will really want to hear this interview all the way through. So let's just jump right into it. Here's my conversation with Pastor John Bradshaw. Well, I want to welcome uh, Pastor John Bradshaw to the Restore Podcast. Welcome. Javier, thank you. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've been uh, wanting to have you on, so thank you. I know that you are a busy man, especially as we're recording. It's um, in the midst of summer, and I know that uh, you guys get invited a lot to the uh, different camp you know, meetings all across the world, and so we're, we're glad that we can get you down for a little while and have this conversation. Absolutely. I'm up for it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to be talking with you. Well, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, we always uh, get to see you. You were at our camp meeting in Florida just a few years ago and uh, did not have the opportunity to have this conversation then. But here we are. So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you before we get into it is written and all that good stuff. I, I as many of our you know listeners to the podcast know by now, I always like to get to know uh, the person uh, behind um, the different, you know, ministries, people that write books and so on. So tell us about you, John. Well, what you're listening to is a Southern accent. I live in <laughs> Tennessee. I live in Tennessee right now. And I have to smile at these people who believe they have a Southern accent. They don't, man. Look at the world. Tennessee is way north. If you take <laughs> a globe or a map of the planet and look kind of down south, You'll come to New Zealand. We have penguins there. It's south. So I'm originally from New Zealand. This is kind of a southern accent, but I've lived in the United States for more than a quarter of a century. And so is that true? Hold on a minute. Uh, actually, that's true. Uh, wow. if it's, if it's, yeah, it's true. More than a quarter of a century. So my accent has, has been moderated over time. Uh, raised in New Zealand, blue-collar family, blue-collar town. Uh, got out of high school, college. Radio. I began as a radio broadcaster and stumbled into ministry after I uh, discovered that Jesus Christ was my own personal Lord and Savior. So here I am from New Zealand, the South, the Southern Hemisphere to Tennessee, where I am now, Chattanooga. That's where it is written is located. So from the South to the South. 
So tell me a little bit more about that calling. How did that, you said you stumbled into ministry. So I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. I really did stumble. I'll tell you a funny old thing. I was sitting in the radio studio one morning. I did a breakfast show. I had a fabulous co-host who now ha- happens to be a member of parliament in New Zealand. And uh, she said, so, John, what do you think you're going to be doing in 10 years? Hmm. And uh, I said, you know, Jen, I think I'm going to be working for God. Hmm. And she looked like, huh? And I looked at her like, huh? Where did that come from? I was raised in a very religious family, in a Roman Catholic family, and we went to church every week, every Sunday. In fact, I went to church every day for two and a half years at one stretch. That's made me like the the Cal Ripken of of altar boys. There I was in in mass every, and I mean every day, not every Sunday. Uh, So very faithful, enjoyed it very much, loved my church, loved the people at the church, didn't love Sister Mary Dionysia. She was a tyrant, but other than her, uh, Sister Mary Frances, she was good. Uh, but I, I love m- most things about it. Um, and anyone who was educated by nuns uh, has stories of tyrants. Uh, but I kind of stumbled on through life, really, and not quite certain which direction my life was going. As a teenager, I had a bit of a spiritual renaissance. Uh, but then radio kind of intervened, and I became a radio broadcaster and enjoyed that very much and had a, a measure of success doing that. Um, anyhow... What what uh, what kind of broadcasting was it? Was it a religious program, non-religious? Uh, oh no, 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 nothing religious about it. Commercial radio, breakfast radio mostly. Um, you know the the morning show with the jokes and the weather report and the competitions and the popular yeah. music and and all that. I did some talk radio, and actually believed that I would end up back doing talk radio. That's right. That's where I sort of saw my future. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I I became a, a Christian and was wondering what to do next. And somebody suggested I take a little training doing this and that, which I did. And I was offered a job in ministry working as an evangelist. And uh, honestly, wasn't 100% sure where my life was going until that opportunity came. And I said, you know, that's it. That's God's will for my life. Hmm. Uh, Just as though you heard a bell ring on a still quiet night. So that was that, and uh, ministry sort of came after me. I, I wasn't laying awake wondering how in the world can I ever get a job as a pastor. Oh, my goodness, it's my ambition to be a television presenter in a religious context. I had no desires to do that. And interestingly enough, uh, having worked in broadcasting before kind of cured me of the, uh, of the, 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 the stars in my eyes thing about broadcasting. You know, I've done it. I've had people tell me I'm wonderful. I've had people tell me I'm terrible. You know, I've, I've, I've done it. So I'm not doing this for me. Uh, God called me, and here I find myself. Hmm. John, did you ever um, pastor a local church? Was that part of your uh, trajectory and your ministry, or was it mainly in the public venue of broadcasting TV? No, that was the best part of ministry so far. I've pastored a couple of places wonderful, wonderful churches, and don't think that's a given. Some churches are man-eaters. The Bible talks about wolves in sheep's clothing, but every pastor knows there are like piranhas in sheep's clothing uh, in many (laughs) congregations. But I was really blessed, Javier. I had the most wonderful congregations, just just the best. I don't know how they could have been better, and they provided such a wonderful – I'll tell you this, though. Yeah. When I was transitioning from full-time evangelism, that's traveling around the United States, conducting Bible study seminars, 
and I was transitioning into ministry, pastoral ministry. My children were of a certain age. Honestly, I'd done public evangelism long enough, I felt like. My children now didn't need to be living out of suitcases any longer. I had an opportunity to pastor a church. Uh, a phone call came to me from a very important individual who said, we would love for you to be the pastor of our church. We know you'll look. Ooh, I said, this is a very important individual. And there were lots of very important individuals who attended that church, lots of high-end theological types. And very genuinely, it was a wonderful situation. And someone said to me, yeah, you need to take that call. It'll be an armchair ride. Hmm. And as soon as I heard those words, I thought, no, that's not for me because I'm not looking for an armchair ride. I'm looking for someone to challenge me and stretch me. I'm looking to grow. I'm not looking to settle into an armchair. It's quite likely I could still be there today all these years later. Wonderful church, great reputation, lots of quality, high-end people. I didn't take it for that very reason. I needed to get dirt under my fingernails and get a couple of scrapes on my knees and a wee cut on my chin. And um, I got most of that uh, in the direction I went. It was a wonderful learning experience. You know, my philosophy is this, and uh, it's not even my philosophy. I'm right about this. Uh, Ministry is just about the only job I know where you start at the top. Pastors start at the top. You know, these guys who want to climb the ladder and they want to get into administration. God bless you if that's where God calls you, but it's not a step up. It's a step down. And I don't mean that any, in any disrespectful way. It just yeah. is. The pinnacle is studying the Bible with people, preaching the word of God, growing congregations, impacting cities for the kingdom. Everybody who does something else supports that. And so I, whenever I get a chance to speak to pastors, I remind them, you started at the top. If God calls you to take half a step down and go to the administration realm, if that's God's call, then go. But don't, for goodness sake, don't think you're climbing the ladder. Oh, good night. The further you go in administration, the further you get away from the front lines. And that's not bad. We need good administrators and we need good policy wonks and, and we need decision makers and we need a firm and a steady hand. But it's not a step up. It yeah. is not a step up. So I started in ministry at the top as a pastor and loved it and still love it. And I will do it uh, one day again after I'm done with well, after it is written is done with me. I'll be uh, I'll be pastoring churches. Someone say, I said that once and someone said, oh, oh, when are you leaving? No, no, that's not what I mean. But <laughs> when the time comes for me to move on to something else and that time surely will come. Yeah. then uh, I can't wait to get back to pastoring local churches. I think it's just the best job in the world. It's not even a job. Yeah, so, so John, you, you, so how long did you do that for? How long did you minister in, a, in the local church for? Before? Oh, four or five years. Okay. Not long, not long. And maybe I think it was so wonderful because it had fantastic churches. Yeah. Um, the call to it is written just came out of the blue. In fact, I was at a wonderful church. Uh, for what it's worth, it was a very large congregation. Um, very, very capable congregation. And uh, I got this call and I, I, I figured, well, no, I can't go to It Is Written because I haven't been doing what I'm doing in this church for really very long. But the head elder of the church, that's, you know, the, the, the leading lay person in the church, he said, yeah, you got to go. And my <laughs> boss, the conference president, you should go. So when the head elder and the conference president tell you you need to leave, then I, I guess you need to you leave. Gotta go. Yeah, gotta yeah. Go. And so um, thank you for that, John. You also mentioned a little bit there about your family. So yeah. you're married. Uh, uh, how long have you been married? Kids? Any, yeah. How many kids? Yeah. 
almost 24 years, same wife. I'm blessed. Uh, two kids, they're fantastic. One's in college, one's in high school. Okay. They are awesome kids. I don't just love them, I like them. I just enjoy being in their presence. They're, they're truly God's gift. And that's because they have a wonderful mother. And people will say, oh no, it's because of you as well. No, it's because they have a wonderful mother. That's just the truth. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Um, praise the Lord for that. Amen. So, 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 John, thank you for a little bit about your journey, your uh, tra your trajectory to It Is Written. Um, how long have you been at It Is Written now? Eight and a half years, more than eight and a half years. At the end of this year, it'll be nine years. Nine years. So you've been there nine years, and you are just the, if I'm not mistaken, you are the fourth speaker director of It Is Written. Is that correct? Numero cuatro, sí. Numero Four, cuatro, no. yes. Yeah. So, um, Tell us, most of the listeners of the Restore Podcast are acquainted with It Is Written. Um, of course, in today's world, they can just, uh, everybody can just, if you don't know, if you're listening and you've never heard of It Is Written, you probably should just put us on pause right now and just Google or do it at, at the same time, Google It Is Written. But It Is Written has been on the air, I guess I can say, for over 60 years now. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that history uh, of, of, of who started it, how it started, and that journey to the present time. And then we'll get into a little bit of the specifics, but let, let's start there. Years ago, there was a pastor and evangelist. His name is George Vanderman, lovely man. I never met him, unfortunately, but a, a wonderful man. As an evangelist, he would travel and conduct public meetings, and George was a bit of an innovator. He was always looking for ways to reach more people. George was the first person uh, I, I don't want to misstate, so I won't. There were a number of firsts associated with his ministry, mm -hmm. and he did a number of very, very innovative things uh, in an attempt to reach more people and, and to use more than just the conventional means of attracting a crowd. And George figured, man, if I could use television and broadcast to the masses, wow, we could really make an impact and attract more people to public meetings. And that's how It Is Written came about. We went on the air in 1956, and uh, we were the first uh, religious television program in color. So again, it was about innovating and being at the bleeding edge and using the latest technological developments to reach more people in an, as effective a way as possible. So that's where It Is Written began, with the desire to reach more people. So there's been a weekly television program on for 63 years. There's now a daily television program because we have a daily devotional called Every Word in English, in Espanol, in ASL, in American Sign Language. So we have three devotionals a day. We now produce at least two Spanish television programs, the one in ASL, uh, and depending on how you count, about 10 regular different English productions that we produce. Um, we are translated into Chinese, and our programs are seen across China. Uh, we produce a slew of resources uh, that have been translated into French and German and Italian and Farsi, which is the language of Iran, and Arabic, which is the language basically of the Middle East, and uh, Espanol and, and uh bunch of different languages. I think I, I'm going to start repeating myself. About 10 different languages, and we're stretching that to include more. We just had an interesting request the other day for another translation language. Uh, so yes, 1956, and since then we have been growing. It is written today is a media evangelism ministry, but everything we do is about evangelism. That is about reaching out to other people with the good news 
that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world and is coming back soon. So we, we branched into, we have a children's ministry, you know, um, uh, a public, we publish our own materials with the publishing department. We have a very active and uh, vibrant missions department. We have about eight mission trips a year, uh, mostly medical missionary trips where we take medical teams abroad so that the gospel can spread, you know, and yeah. one thing about doing missions abroad, it is, an, it is, is that it encourages mission work at home. Mm-hmm. So here we are today, 63 years later, we run our own television channel, not available on satellite at this stage. That was never the vision. It, it, we may get there, yeah. uh, but we wanted to occupy the digital space because that's where more and more and more people are consuming their content. Right. So we're on Amazon Fire and Apple TV and Google Play and Roku and right. at itiswritten.tv. That's where you'll find our 24-7 channel. So there's a lot going on. We still love communicating the gospel. Big meeting later this year in Phoenix, Arizona, another big one in Indianapolis coming up and many, many, many. And with Pastor Robert Costa leading Escrito Esta, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot going on in Spanish as well. So we've got enough to keep ourselves busy, Javier. Yeah, John, so it seems like you guys, it's it's really amazing as I read a, a little bit about the you know history, which I knew quite a bit about, but it's always interesting to know that uh, George Vanderman was, um, my, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, he, he, he was really ahead of his time or just being a person that um, was looking at television at a time where was obviously very different than it is today, right? There was uh, no major broadcasting channels per se. NBC was just getting rolling and so on. I mean, I don't know all the history of 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 that era for secular broadcasting and, and everything but certainly uh television as it is today wasn't what it is then and to mm. be the first color television uh, religious program uh was really ahead of its time i guess you can say um and so how you told us a lot about what yeah. it is written has been you know doing and is actually doing um, how do you continue to stay in that manner? Do, you know, does, does that make sense? So George did an incredible job oh, of yeah. being ahead. How does it is written continue to stay in that way? And along those, you know, realms, what are perhaps some of the ways amongst the many great things that it is written is doing? Perhaps what are some of the ways that it could improve? You know, your technology with technology. And so, you know, you go to, to HD, to 4K, to however many Ks there is now, and you, you've kind of got to keep up with that. Um, but after George got us on one of the major television channels way back then, you know, we had this, this boom, and now there are a, a gazillion television outlets. And so, you know, how do you reach, how do you reach the people that you want to reach? Um, and so... In terms of television, we buy TV time on TVN, which is the largest religious broadcaster, I think, on the planet, pretty close to it, certainly in the United States. Yeah. So to stay, to keep out there, we're on a number of religious channels as well. Uh, We're on a number of local channels. And what we've done is we've migrated, of course, to the Internet. Uh, You can't own the Internet unless you're Amazon or Google. So we've carved out, you know, our own little piece of real estate on the Internet. We've, we've got into things such as uh, uh, 3D, or not, not 3D, VR, 360-degree stuff. We've produced a couple of things like that. That was interesting. 
Hmm. And I'm pretty sure that we'll get back to that. Right now, as we speak, we're in a transition. We have a a temporary office situation in Chattanooga, and we're building a new ministry headquarters about 20 minutes away, uh, 25 minutes to the east. And so, as a matter of fact, we don't even have a studio right now. Hmm. We just don't because the landlord where we are now said, I want that space back. And so we gave him the studio space back uh, a week or so ago, and we – even though we have a studio, we can't occupy that for a few weeks, and then we can't start using it for a few weeks after that. So anyhow, uh, the idea is to continue to look for innovative ways, use those that come along. We don't want to end up just being gimmicky, but we are going to our own channel has been interesting. Uh, one of the things that brought that up is that we started digitizing the old Vanderman programs. Hmm. So you can go back now and watch, you know, 60 or so years of, of it is written programs, 35 years of George Vanderman. Hmm. Uh, you know, they're old fashioned, some of them. Some of them are a little less old fashioned, but the message is still wonderful. And we got those archives and started digitizing. And we thought, what do we do with this content? We certainly can't buy television time. And then we thought, why don't we just take the extra step and establish a channel? Hmm. And so that's what we've done. And that's one of the things that we've done. Uh, so that we make sure we're out there in this in the in the broadcasting ocean with our own space in our own place marketing that that's a challenge you know how do you let the world know yeah you know with that said how do you feel regarding you know marketing and putting it out there obviously social media is what it is love it or or hate it it's here it's here to stay Um, and so in the different means Facebook Instagram Twitter how do you yeah. feel you guys are doing when it comes to putting all that content out on social media? Oh, we're doing uh, like, well with that. Yeah, we're doing yeah. well with that. You know, we've been on been on Instagram since day one or whatever it was, and we got a hundred and I could tell you if I looked, hundred and eighty thousand followers on Facebook, and and the wonderful thing is Facebook lets you reach as many of those as you pay to reach. Right. Uh, we've got <laughs> I don't know thousands and thousands of people following us on Twitter. I've got a a smaller following on Twitter and Facebook, but we communicate that way. And it's nice to see engagement. We get a lot of people engaging with us. Here's the thing. We are a, a donor funded ministry, a donor funded ministry. So we can do anything in the world as long as we have the money. And, uh, honestly, at the end of the day, funding is, uh, when I say funding is a challenge, I don't want, maybe that's the wrong word. Funding is a thing. And that's an ongoing job. We are grateful to have people who believe in the ministry. Their lives have been touched. They see the vision. They say it is written as not an inward facing ministry. We don't get bogged down in church arguments. We don't take a stand. I've had people say to me, hey, pastor, I need you to tell me what you think about issue X. No, not going to tell you. Oh, but you have to. We need to know what you think. No, you don't. That's not what we're about. We're about evangelism. We're about ministry. If it's an issue that affects lost people coming to faith in Christ, Maybe we'll talk about that. So uh, we are an outward-facing ministry. People believe in that. They know it is written is not just evangelism, but evangelistic. We continue to hear about people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ because they were encount- they encountered God through the ministry of it is written. We hear those stories, man, I can't say daily, but we hear them just regularly. I'm in the church today because God reached me through it is written. I'm a believer today because I, I encountered Christ and it is written. So, yeah, we want to continue to be as current as we can. And, and it is written. TV is one of those things. Our channel, 
Um, we've talked about podcasts. Uh, one of my friends and colleagues is adamant that we start podcasting and and I said, to him, yeah, when, when you double the length of a day, then that's something that we can do, you know. Yeah. And that's a challenge. I tell you, in ministry, because in ministry, if you see an opportunity, you really want to take it. You really want to do it. Yeah. But we can't be General Electric, you know. We're not yeah. seers. Well, I would jump in here and say, you know, for whatever it's worth, maybe it's not worth much, but I would say maybe I'm highly biased here, but I would say um, think about starting a podcast. Obviously, there's there's a um, an audience out there that maybe oh, yeah. won't online or watching programs online but depending on the content uh, you put out there people will listen and uh, I mean the audience oftentimes obviously for podcasts are a bit different than those and similar but obviously also different uh, that will listen to um, you know video our um, daily devotional every word is available as a podcast we have that that's a 60 yeah. second podcast that didn't take any time to listen to maybe it's two minutes every now and then but, yeah <laughs> we'll do that as soon as as soon as uh, there's, there's a, a legend where I'm from, an, a, a, a Polynesian legend, a Maori legend from New Zealand. The sun was racing across the sky too fast. So a fellow named Maui, who's known in Hawaiian mythology as well, went out one day and trapped the sun and made the sun promise not to race across the sky too fast. If there's some kind of modern-day Maui who can slow the sun down and lengthen days, there's no end to what we can get done. I hear you. I agree. People, I just remind people, even this uh, little podcast, if I can say it that way, uh, it takes time. And without yeah. having um, an editor uh, that helps us in the tech side, um, even though I love tech and everything, it just, uh, it's, it's, we don't have enough time in the day. Right. And so I agree with you in that sense. But let me kind of circle back to what you said about fundraising. Interesting point there that you make. And it is, is it, because we're living in, I would say, different times, post-Christian era, is it harder? Is it okay to say it's a little bit harder to raise funds for a religious entity than maybe, obviously, it was during George Vandeman's time or even Mark Finley's time? I don't think it is harder. I don't okay. think it is harder. But it, it's it's just a thing. It's it's a it's part of the job, and you know, yeah. we eat what we kill, and and so we uh, we're self-funded. 98 or 99 percent, one or the about 98, 99 percent self-funded. I, I must not overstate that. It's not 100 uh, percent, but about 98 or 99 percent, 96, 97, 98, 99, depending on the, the time of the day. I don't know okay. that it's harder. I don't think it's harder, uh, but it's a thing. It's it's, it's something okay. you have to you have to keep on. It's interesting as I um, interviewed. Dr. Carlton Bird, he, he also mentioned that, yeah, it's a thing. Maybe he used different words, but it seemed that I'm, you know, hearing a, a similar aspect about the thing of raising funds. It's, it's, uh, it has its own challenges, I guess. Well, one can well, every nonprofit in the world is going to tell you that. We're, we're a Christian nonprofit and, and uh, we, we've, got to, we've got to raise our, our funding. And, and it, that's okay. No complaints about that. But it's, it's just one of the things we have to do. Yeah. What what would you say is your right now your main target audience that you're reaching? What uh, background and a sense of age range uh, would you say is mainly responding to the content that you're putting out by It Is Written? Our target audience is sinners. That's our target audience. No, 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 so to, me, to me, narrow me, that, you yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, let me rephrase the you know question. Maybe. Um, I know we have a small delay uh, uh, in our, you know, recording here, but not so much your target audience, but 
what target audience are you mainly reaching? Of, of course, the message is for everybody, but who do you who would you say you're mainly reaching as you're getting response? What age range would you say that you're mainly reaching? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I can tell you the lady who came to me the other day and said, it is written, I love you, I love you, I love you. Uh, that lady was about 60. Uh, the young man who contacted us and said that I live in Sweden and I've been watching It Is Written and I found a church and arrived one Saturday morning and said to the pastor, I'm ready to be baptized. He's about 24. Um, man, it depends. It's a wide swath. It's a really, really wide, wide thing. I, I don't know that we can really narrow it down. Adults, but of course, through my place with Jesus, our children's ministry, we just heard the other day, four kids were baptized who had studied the My Place with Jesus Bible studies and given their heart to Jesus. A man told me the other day, the pastor, I, I used the children's studies in studying with an adult, and that man was baptized as well. It's very hard for me to say, but adults, uh, I'm going to say 25 to 64. 25 okay. to 64-year-old adults. It's not bad. Radio stations target that, that same demo. Sure, sure. You know, one of the reasons that I ask, uh, you know, millennials and Gen Z are the current and up-and-coming generations. They they are essentially the largest generation in, you know, in, in the actual numbers. Uh, so, so how do you feel that It Is Written is doing in reaching that generation? Well, I'd love to know perfectly, and, and I'm, I, you know what, I'm, I'm not ever going to answer one of your questions by saying, I think we're doing great, um, because that, that doesn't sound right. Um, uh, only God knows, but what happens is, and th this, this surprises people, man, and typically this surprises people who don't watch It Is Written, because they have, a, they have an idea in their mind of what It Is Written used to be. There, there, was, there was some fellow who works in media here in North America, and, and he made a remark about what it is written does. And it's, bro, you work in media and you haven't watched the program in 10 years and so you don't know. <laughs> we have young people telling us all the time, we watch it as written. We appreciate it as written. We like what it is written is doing. And particularly as we broaden our offering, if it is written as, as one program filmed in a studio with fake plants behind fake windows, if that's your view of it as written, all right, then that's, that's what you remember from from a, a bygone era. But if for you it is written is, is roaming the streets of Rome or, or the byways of Ireland or the streets of London or uh, following the story of Greenwood, Oklahoma on location and, and you're going places and seeing things, then you're going to have a, a, a different view of, of what it is written is. What we don't do, we don't go out of our way to specifically target. There are some groups that we're not even trying to reach. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Yeah. Somebody said to me, so what are you doing for postmoderns? I said, nothing, nothing. Uh, the same, this is exactly the same as we're doing to reach Jews or Hindus or Baha'is or Rosicrucians, nothing. We are not targeting those groups. And I say that totally without apology. That's not our target demographic. That takes an entirely different approach. We are targeting a group of people that have some working knowledge of God. Um, typically, they uh, have had some type of experience with God or for some reason they're curious about God. Your postmoderns, by and large, are not. Now, atheists are atheists. They don't want to know anything about God. 
uh, Jews, uh, excuse me, they're Jewish. They don't want to know the Christian God and so on. Now, let me let me double back around so I don't leave the wrong impression. We pick up a number of those people. Hmm. There are postmoderns who say, you know, the reason I came to faith in God is because I encountered the ministry of it is written and that got me curious. So God is working with all those groups, but we have not produced television programming that says, hey, this is specifically for postmoderns. Uh, when you have to buy your television time, yeah. um, you would more likely buy time designed to reach the people that you can reach rather than the people that are going to, that's a different ask. I don't believe that media ministry is the solution for reaching postmoderns. Postmoderns are, are, are reached by relationships and uh, by, by person to person. If you're a postmodern, you're not watching Trinity Broadcasting Network. If you're right. a postmodern, you're not watching a Christian channel. You'd be a very bad postmodern if you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to know who's even going to watch our programs and then tailor our programming for those folks. Again, man, I've held, I've held meetings where witches have come to faith in God. Sure. Uh, in North America, they were not our target. We didn't start the meeting saying this is a meeting for witches and we hope witches come and we want to speak to you. But you know what I'm saying? We'll 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 scoop up some of those folks as well. No, I I appreciate that answer, your transparency and honesty. And I think, with that said, in the world that we live in today, more than ever before, people want to know why following Jesus, particularly Christianity, and if oh, yeah. we if we can go as far as to say specifically, why be a Seventh Day Adventist? Why 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 should I do that? Why yeah. is that such a good thing? Um, I think we need perhaps, or per- maybe I'll ask you, do you think it's time maybe even to go back to have programs more of some of the existential issues that we face today? Anxiety, depression, what is sin? Like, um, I, I argue that in today's world, for the post-Christian world that we live in today, uh, People are really, when we say we need a savior, what does that really mean to people who may not really understand why we need a savior? Yeah. They need this, but why do we need a savior? So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I, I know you've had some of those programs. Oh, yeah, no, no question. Anxiety, depression, that's a, that's a big issue. But yep. along with that, some of the more aspects that are in our society, people need to hear, how does Jesus transform X, right? We can fill in whatever that issue is, not just finances, anxiety, but some of the really issues, obviously we can um, talk about, you know, racism. Uh, So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. First, uh, we've done programs on racism and we have more planned that we'll be shooting soon. We've done depression, as you've said, we've talked about anxiety, we've talked about what is sin and who is God. So we do touch on those issues, or should I? I don't want to talk about touch on. We do punch those issues right between the eyes. We, we produce programming that deals right with those subjects. And, yes, it's, it's a good idea to produce programs uh, dealing with the existential issues. There is no question. question is, what's the outlet for that? Mm. And once you know where you want to outlet that, or where you want to outlet it, where you want to broadcast that or disseminate that, then the question is, who should make that? Who has that outlet? Who has access to that audience? There's no question, man. We need to be making more programs on more subjects. Uh, there is not any subject, and I say this guardedly, that we should not be doing television programs on. 
We've got a series of programs planned that we're going to deal with domestic uh, domestic violence hmm. and not domestic violence in the world. That's too soft. I'm going to talk about domestic violence in the church. Uh, hmm. We're going to talk about pornography. Uh, we'll deal with and, and those are subjects that have been dealt with by others and rightly so. We'll deal with a number of these sort of social issues, existential issues. But your question, do we need more programming like that? Absolutely. No question. No question. No question. More than ever, I think. Well, I appreciate that, John. If you um, go back in the early years written programs, you'll see that Vanderman used to speak a lot about that. How can you trust God? Why should you trust God? Why does the Bible matter to you today? How is this book relevant in my life? So these are historically uh, the subjects that it is written and ministries like it is written uh, have been treating upon really for some time. Yeah. And I think your point is a is a good one. And I think many are are many independent ministries um, that are associated, I can, if I can say it that way, um, in collaboration with our church or even those outside are are facing that aspect that. There's so much out there to be viewed, so much content. Uh, right now, there's the streaming wars are coming out. Right? You know, Netflix is being challenged by uh, Disney Plus and every other streaming source that's coming out. Oh, yeah. And so there's there's a lot of content. It's it's how do we get this content out there in a way that um, people will really want to listen to it? You know, the old adage, "Content is king." It it, it still has its strong merits, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that um, our our ministries perhaps need to continue to evaluate and assess how they're, like you say, putting it out there. And obviously, you know, Facebook Live may be something to look at where you don't really have to sell time in any station. Just right. put it out there on Facebook Live or Instagram or whatever it may be or, or do both um, in that sense. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to bring this back around and suggest something that uh, really skews this in a different sort of in a different sort of way. Okay. What I mean is this: if we have an idea of media ministries as media ministries, television programs, radio broadcasts, internet offerings, whatever, are the be all and end all, then we're missing the boat. Mm-hmm. So let's say um, Ministry X, it is written, Church Entity Y right. produces 10 drop-dead, wickedly good programs about why Jesus matters in the modern world and why it's rational and sensible to have faith in it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, now what? Now we produce them. What are you going to do? Hmm. You can't buy programming time on CNN. They won't sell it to you. Discovery, we were on Discovery. Discovery said, no more paid folks. You're off. And and even even if you could, find me someone who's going to fund that. Hmm. Find that person. When you say, oh, we're just going to kind of put it out there and see what it does. No. People don't easily fund that sort of thing. The church won't fund that. Buying expensive television time to show those programs, to find a mass audience, so how do we disseminate that? Oh, we stick it on YouTube. Awesome. One program gets 97 views. Another one gets 106 views. No, so that didn't work too well. Here's the thing. Even with media ministry, you can't leave people reaching people out of the loop. And if, sure. we, if we produce resources and these so Christians tell their friends, 
and people beat the bushes and people get the word out and people say, man, you need to see this. If people post links on their Facebook page, if people uh, email their friends or text their friends and say, you got to watch this, then those programs really were worth making. I, I'm not defeatist. You can make programs and air them on a Christian. You know, so we're going to make these programs about why it's rational to believe in Jesus and stick them on a church-owned television network. Christians watch that. Your yeah. target audience isn't watching that, by and large. So how do you get these things in front of a target audience? Let's not forget Christ's method alone will bring true success. Jesus didn't make a bunch of TV programs and say, watch Channel 10. Jesus was was person to person, person to person, beating heart to beating heart, handshake to handshake. So when we remember, oh, my goodness, we have these wonderful media resources, a broad spectrum of them. Let's tell people about them. For instance, we do a daily devotional. It's called Every Word. It's great. And I tell people, you'll be blessed by this. But what's really a good idea is if you use this as a witnessing tool. So I did, I did uh, and it is written every word devotional and you can see it on the front page of our website and sign up for it. Uh, and, and somebody brought a puppy to work that day. He was trying to find a home for this beautiful little puppy. And I said, Oh, we're filming every word today. Give me that puppy. We got to use it. It's just too cute. So I grabbed <laughs> the puppy and stood in front of the camera and did a 60 second devotional that had something to do with a puppy. And I, and I called it, it is bitten because that kind of sound like it is written. You know, a guy, a friend of mine in Arizona said, my friend just got a puppy. He's not a Christian, but I can use this as an entering wedge. He emailed his friend. Hey, man, you've got to watch this. You just got a puppy. I saw this. The presenter is a friend of mine. you got to watch this. Did his friend watch it? Absolutely. Did his friend like it? Of course he liked it. Probably didn't hear a word I said. Just watch that beautiful puppy. It opened a door. So this is where you've got media and people and people using media as a witnessing tool. We recently produced a television program, fascinating. Now, I'm not gonna ask you because I, I believe the answer will be no. Have you ever heard of, of Greenwood, Oklahoma? You're gonna tell me no. Have you ever heard of the Black Wall Street? No, you haven't. Now, somebody listening says, yes, I have, but that person's probably black. Uh, most, oh man, 99.9 .9 out of 100 white people have never heard of it. And in my experience, 50% African-Americans have never heard of it. A massacre that took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921, a massacre is an utter disaster. You know who was massacred and you know who did the massacring, 1921, Oklahoma. You know, we told that story. What's really interesting about that is that that television program really impacted people. They started telling their friends, got to watch this, got to see this, got to watch this. Uh, and that really grows things. We won, we, we, we won five awards for that program. We got a couple more similar programs coming up that we'll air during Black History Month. This was for Black History Month this year. Next year, there'll be another two programs if plans work out for uh, the Black History Month programs. So two things. If we make the programs that people want to share, that people can say, oh, yeah, I'm happy sharing that. Yeah. And then if people will share them, that's when media ministry will have an even greater reach. That's how we get the information out. I appreciate that, and I and I hope that our our listeners will, um, if they haven't already, take a a double take. And um, it's it's part of why I'm putting out there these different you know ministries, Breath of Life, and of course this you know wonderful ministry of it is written and um, really 
what I'm hearing you say is the old adage, if I can say it that way, of sharing Jesus on a personal level, that will always be the number one way. Absolutely. There, there's and no other way. If, uh, we can see media, said, if we can see media as a tool, then you can right. enhance your, your witness. Right. With that said, uh, we also want people to uh, grab the content that you guys are producing yeah. and any other media um, and share it. Share it with your friends, your family, if, if it's something that will enhance that personal relationship with them and help them in their uh, daily life and their daily walk. And so it, it's both is what I'm hearing you say. So I Absolutely really appreciate right. that. And, um, and you're right. We, we need to take a double take and double look at um, the content that you're putting out there and many others are putting out right. there. See how we can share that and help others with that within our social media realms. You, you know, we can become the victims of our own success. I'll tell you what I mean. Years ago, an evangelist could come to town and pitch a tent and put up a sign displaying one of the beasts of Daniel or Revelation and another sign that says singing, singing evangelist. And Harold would see that as he walked home from work and he'd uh, say to Ethel, who was taking the casserole out of the oven, Ethel, there's uh, something going on at the village square. And Ethel would say, down to the, whatever, the courthouse, courthouse lawn. And Ethel would say, oh, what, Harold? And he would say, well, I know you like singing evangelists, Ethel, and shall we go? Oh, well, yes, let's get dinner. I'll get the dishes cleaned up and the kids can help and we can walk down there and be there for 7 o'clock. We don't live in that world anymore. Right. Does public evangelism work? Yes, of course it works. Shame on anyone who would say it doesn't. Uh, well, not shame. You, you've just shown your ignorance if you say it doesn't work. It's ignorant. Um, but the, but the terms of engagement have changed, you know, Harold doesn't get home at quarter past five anymore. He doesn't walk to work. He drives 45 minutes when he gets home. His wife isn't taking a casserole out the oven. She, she's just getting home from work herself. Uh, the kids have more homework now than they ever had. And they're all got their heads and devices, even mum and dad. So, so we got to engage differently, you know? And, uh, so we became the victim of our own success. We thought, call the evangelist, have him pitch a tent. He'll fill the tent. He'll baptize a bunch of people. The rest of us can sit on our bums and do nothing. And then, you know, modernity came and we discovered, oh, my goodness, if we want to bring people to Jesus, we can't just sit on our bums and we can't rely on the evangelist. And that was God's way of blessing us. He's saying to us, would you wake up? This is not how it works. You think this is how it works. Call the evangelist, pitch a tent. No, no, that's not how it works because Christ's method alone will bring true success evangelism isn't just good for them, it's good for us. And it's a little bit the same with, with media. Now we can say, oh, yeah, is this not great media that I have built? Oh, we've got even a channel. Let the, oh, people are coming to church because they watch the channel. It becomes bad for us. So nothing should be allowed to take the place of person-to-person -person contact, yeah. personal evangelism. We have these wonderful tools. I'm not, down, I'm not downing the tools at all. There are certain channels in existence, and thank God, God for them because people do come to church. They watched the programs and they saw this and they said, I'm in and they show up and they go, can I be baptized today? That is wonderful. But we can't allow that to take the place of what we ought to be doing as believers. We love God. And so we want to share our faith with others and we can use media as part of that. Well, I think that's well said. And that's exactly, you make a great point. And um, the fact that at the end of the day, all these Different media outlets are fantastic. They're needed. Praise the Lord for them. But nothing will be that one-on-one -on -one, uh, relationships and sharing Jesus with others. That's right. And thank you for that. 
John, uh, before I, I let you go, I want to take a little shift into the gears here and uh, go from it is written to to just our church at large, our community yeah. of faith, and 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 even just Christianity as a whole. Uh, so you're blessed to travel, and uh, you get to see the Adventist Church and the Christian Church as a whole worldwide. So how do you feel? Uh, this is a loaded question, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Uh, how do you feel? the Adventist church in doing is doing with exactly what you were just saying with fulfilling the mission that God has given us. So how do you think the, our community of faith as Seventh-day Adventists is doing? And I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit easier, particularly here in North America. And how do you think the, the church as a whole, meaning not just Adventism, but just the Christian church as a whole is doing and fulfilling God's mission. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not that well, qualified to speak on the Christian church as a whole. And if I were, were to, I'd say the Christian church as a whole is a bit of a disaster, quite frankly. Uh, Adventism is doing wonderfully, wonderfully. That was part A of my answer. Part B of my answer is Adventism <laughs> is doing terribly, okay. terribly. But man, wonderfully. Our church is comprised of wonderful people who love God and share their faith. But man, you know, there's, there's some there's – some, eyes in those potatoes you know there's some blight on the tomato crop um i don't want to refer to people as blight we you know man we're a motley bunch of of sinners and strugglers and we can hardly find up from down sometimes because we are subject to temptation and human frailty hmm. so what i know is this from one side of the division to the other there are people there are leaders, there are lay leaders, there are pastors who are busting their hump, doing everything they can to grow the kingdom of God. And I love that. Does that mean we're always successful? No. Now look at it from a biblical point of view. Jesus described his church in the last day as Laodicea, rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. That's how we feel about ourselves. So that's an indictment. I think it's a double-edged sword. I'm privileged to be able to go to congregations and say, wow, you guys are on fire. And then I can go to a congregation and think, oh, my goodness, if somebody fired a, a cannon down the aisle of this church, well, it'd be the only excitement they've had in 50 years and <laughs> it'd be doing everybody a favor. So it's very much mixed. I don't think we want to be critical of the church. I really don't, because if I'm critical of the church, I should start with criticizing myself. And I'm far from perfect. And to criticize the church is, to, is an indictment upon those men and women and boys and girls, those teachers those uh, church school teachers, those medical missionaries, it's an indictment on those people who are doing everything they can for God. Could we collectively do better? That's always true. But I believe in my church. Mm -hmm. Are there problems? Of course there are problems. The only time there's going to be no problems is when the devil takes a day off and yeah. he doesn't take a day off. So, yeah, Javier, I really think there's a lot to be very, 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 very excited about. Uh, and there's lots and lots of room for improvement too. Lots of room for improvement. Lots of room for improvement. So give me or give us, uh, those that will be listening, give us two or three things that you feel the church overall is doing really, really good at and two or three ways that we could improve. And I don't think stating ways that we could improve is, a, is being you know critical because I, I always want to know on a personal level, how I can improve, right? Um, but in order to do that, I need I need specific aspects 
and and ways that I could improve. And so, what are what are some of your thoughts? And the reason I ask, I love to ask evangelists and uh, people such as yourself and roles in such as yourself, because you 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 really you visit so many different places. You're able to see a wide scope of how the church is doing in different uh, in yeah. different in different places. Sure. So. So with that said, give us a, a couple specific ways that you just feel the church is doing really good and maybe a couple of ways that you could that you feel we could all do better. I think by and large, and of course, all of this is generalization, okay? And you understand that and I understand it. We have a wonderful group of ministers in our church. Our pastors are good. They are good. Our education system is good. We have dedicated leaders in our church. And there's a lot of innovation in our church. I'm very, very positive in the in the caliber of the pastors that I that I interact with. Who am I to judge? I know. Pardon me for doing that, but I believe we have a very well educated, very committed, very expert ministry. You know, uh, come to the next ministerial gathering and look around, and you go, "Wow, these guys, if they were doing any other occupation, you know, could, could would, would change the world." And so I, I really believe we have terrific pastors. I think we have outstanding leaders who are providing great leadership. Of course, someone's going to say, oh, what about this one? What about that one? You give me, a, give me a name of someone that you think is a lousy leader, and I'll give you 10 names of people who no one would argue are absolutely fantastic leaders. We have a lot of innovation going on right now as people are seeking ways to share their faith, seeking ways to raise up the church. That's a good thing as well. Um, I'm pretty reluctant. Well, I shouldn't say reluctant. Maybe it's ignorance, not reluctance. Where else is the church doing good? Uh, I've mentioned pastors and I've mentioned leaders and I've mentioned innovation. There are a lot of smart people, a lot of people with means, a lot of people with talent who are trying their hardest and finding results in uh, innovating in ways of sharing faith and doing things better than we've done before. Where are we failing? Man, the church isn't getting up and getting out. Hmm. People, are, people are, but by and large, the pews are cluttered with dead wood. Um, I didn't think there's any need for me to sugarcoat anything. And when I say dead wood, I mean people who are cumbering the ground, not sharing their faith, not reaching out, uh, not only sharing their faith, but there are a lot of people who are not living their faith. They're not connecting to Jesus. Look at the look at the studies. The thing with Christianity is that it's easy. If you and me decided we were going to climb Mount Everest, there's a pretty good chance that between the two of us, we could not. We might. You probably could, Javier. Me, eh, you know, I'm not as, as strong and, and whatever as you. Uh, but Christianity doesn't ask you to climb Mount Everest. Christianity asks you to connect with God, open your heart to God. And once yeah. you've done that, talk to him, read his book, uh, uh, live in connection with him. It's the easiest thing in the world. But you and I both know as ministers of the gospel that we could go to most any church and not wanting to put on the Holy Spirit hat. There are going to be people there who are just going through the motions, going through the motions, going through the motions. That's a disaster. So spiritually, there are people in the church doing great, but there are way too many who are not taking their faith seriously and they're not sharing anything because they got nothing to share. I've stood in the line in supermarkets 30-second conversation, the man behind me invites me to church. Wow. What are you doing Sunday? We've got this great thing going on at church here. Here's the directions. Why don't you come? Wow. 
sharing, 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 sharing. And you know that man knows if he asks 10 people, one of them's going to come. If he asks 100, 10's going to come. Yeah. We aren't doing a great job of sharing our faith. And that, that, that stems from we're not doing a great job of living our faith in a vibrant way. I appreciate that, John. And, and I think um, you're right. We have some great leaders, some great people in our churches that are just wanting and doing great things. And, and sometimes we don't um, perhaps highlight enough of that because we sometimes, especially on some social media realms, um, a lot of the negative is focused. And surely there are negative aspects that we can yeah. all do better at. But with that said, I think this last point that you're saying in regards to ways that we could all improve. And let me tell you, I, I'm just going to be transparent and say, you know, oftentimes I, I need that own personal revival to be intentional in connecting because most of my circles are, as I'm sure probably yours, most of my circles are with people that are Adventist, leaders that are Adventist. Um, I'm just around Adventist way too much, perhaps some would say, and I need to get out of my circles. And and even when I'm outside of my circles um, and of my community of faith, I should say, um, you know, like when I go to the gym or when I uh, do an activity of, um, you know, cycling or running or, you know, whatever that may be for, you know, me personally. And now I'm just being open here with you. Um, I also find myself that I have to be very intentional because, for example, in the gym, everybody's in their own world and their headset. That's right. That's right. And so it's not like you can just uh, go up to anybody. You can, but you're literally interfering with not just their workout per se, but their mind frame because they're literally, you know, listening to their music, you know, just like I am listening to yep. a podcast or whatever. So I, I think as I'm listening to you, I mean, I agree 100 percent. What are ways that that I can improve? Like, yeah. When you oh, say, yeah. What are what are ways? What are things um, aside from the obvious of being intentional and sharing? May, may, or maybe that's just it. But what what other aspects can can how can we improve on that? Is that, you know, if I can say. Yeah, yeah. Let me make a suggestion or two. You have an atheist neighbor. You're probably not going to give him a Bible for Christmas. Yeah, uh, yeah. You might, but you, you're probably not going to. Somebody's at the gym and they've got their earbuds in and they're, 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 they're gutting away on a, on a stationary bike. Yeah, that's not the time. But what we do is we pray. We say, God, there is somebody. I, I'll share a story with you. Share a story with you. My brother was taking the bus to work. He, he had moved to a big city, didn't even need a car. And so he uh, was using public transport. Before he got on the bus, he prayed and he said, God, I believe there's somebody on this bus that you want me to reach. Somebody that you want me to reach. And uh, he gets on the bus, sits down next to a lady, and he says, good morning. And she was as cold as cold could be. So the next day he sat next to somebody else and didn't get anywhere. And the next day he sat next to some young man. Good morning. The man said, good morning. So my brother is thinking, Lord, there's someone on this bus. Now, how many people get on a bus and believe that there's a witnessing opportunity waiting for them? My brother yeah. does. And uh, so when the man said good morning, he didn't reach into his bag, my brother, and pull out his, his, his book about some difficult doctrine, criticizing the man's beliefs at church. He just, he just said, hey, we'll see you tomorrow. They got together tomorrow. And tomorrow, and my brother's praying. He's saying, Lord... How do I reach this guy? You've got to open up a door for me. You've got to open up a door for me. He could have just said, hey, how are things between you and God? And that's a pretty good opening line. I've, I've seen that used. Uh, not opening line, but opening line. So, <laughs> yeah, I get it. So one day this man says, oh, yeah, and last night I was watching a television program about the sun and the moon and the, about the universe. It was fantastic. My brother said, 
you ever stopped to wonder where that all came from? Mm. Have you ever wondered where that all came from? And the young man said, yes, yes, I have wondered. A Bible study was born. They became friends. They ate Christmas dinner together. Wow. And that man studied the Bible all the way into what we used to call the truth. So you pray about it and look for opportunities and, and build relationships. And so, you know, the UPS guy comes by your office like every day and it's the same guy. He's been coming by for two and a half years and you, all you know is that his name is Brian. That's yeah. it. No, no, you got to dig deeper. Hey, Brian, you've never mentioned your kids. You got, yeah, I got three kids. Yeah, you got a place to start. And, you know, Brian's going to tarry. You're going to have some muffins waiting for Brian the next day, you know, and you're going to find an excuse to trip this guy up, let the air out of the tires of his truck so he's got to wait for half an hour. Okay, don't go down that road. <laughs> but then you're, you're going to listen, and Brian is going to say, oh, man, my wife and I, we just prayed. Or, man, my wife and I, we didn't know what to do. On the one hand, Brian, you're a praying man. Wow, my goodness. You can share some materialism. Or, Brian, you have had some anguish. Would you mind if I prayed? for you and it's so interesting you pray for people who don't pray and they cry sometimes evidence that god is touching their heart and they've been blessed by your prayer that doesn't mean the next thing is a, is a is a is a copy of the fundamental beliefs of the church right. but you're on your way so make it your business to pray for divine appointments and then when you see them take the bait take it a step at a time i'm fond of of, of saying this when you teach the alphabet you teach the abcs not the X N D's. <laughs> X is no worse a letter than A, but we start with A. We get to X, right? After A comes B, not Z or Z. That comes later. B is next. Z is not worse than B. It's just in a different place. If you were to consider the beliefs of the church, what would A be? A might be Christ. A might be the existence of God. A might be the prophecy of the word of God. You decide. But where would the mark of the beast be? Well, that'd be way down somewhere near W or something like that. You know what I'm saying? T-U-V-W-X down there. So start at the beginning and walk through the alphabet of faith. Sometimes a person just absolutely needs to hear about whatever. But those are the exceptions, not the rules. So we want to be intentional. We've got to live with integrity too and pray. Pray, Lord, today, somehow let my character reflect Jesus. And when you open up a door of utterance, I want to go through. Yes. Thank you, John, so much. I really appreciate that. And as you were saying, as, as I was listening to this last part here, um, besides being intentional, we need to be intentional in prayer. Yes. Or, or I should say, along with being intentional, we need to be intentional specifically with prayer, I should say, or better said. And yeah. that that's what I keep on hearing. and. Uh, perhaps in my own life and many other lives of of of, of some of those people sitting in our pews, um, we just really need to be on our knees, yep. seeking God and asking God Amen. to open up the doors. Because as you've been saying, as your brother noted, when we ask, God will respond. God will yep. answer. And I Absolutely. guess the question is, are, are we ready, uh, using the word again, to be intentional, to, to, to go through that door, that window, whatever uh, you know, metaphor we, we want to use to really begin that relationship, like you said, with A, whatever A may be. So I love that illustration. Thank you so much for that. And what a challenge for me um, and for all of us that will be listening. So 
John, thank you so much for your time. You've been very gracious. Um, thank any you. last thoughts before we we close? No, just keep right on. If I could do, if I could have one last word, hey, pray. Have you prayed today? If you haven't, pray. Take time to pray. Read the Word of God. Connect. Just connect. Connect with God, because when His power comes into your life, you can never, ever, ever be the same again. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. May God bless you and your ministry there. At it is written. Blessings. Well, I want to thank John once again for his openness, his transparency, his humor, and of course for his time. Thank you, John. And I hope that you were blessed and perhaps even challenged as well from our conversation. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Please continue to share. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. With that said, God bless you all. Until next month. Thank you for listening to this Restore podcast. We hope you've been blessed. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any of our inspiring episodes.